everybody. How you doing? This is Ron Katz, known as the Super Tech of Las Vegas. And we're here to help you figure out how to maintain that car of yours and keep it at an affordable price to keep running. With the price of new cars nowadays starting at $20,000 and going up to ninety dollars just for the basic pickup trucks anymore, you need to figure out a way to keep that car running. Um, the biggest problem that you got out there right now is... Who to get that car fixed by? Now, this show tonight is brought to you by Sun Buggies. Great, great place to go and get that energy you have built up inside of you. They've been cramped up every day. Get it used out there in the desert. Have some fun. Take your girlfriend, take your wife, go out there and make a family day out of it. It's a great, great place. Enjoy yourself. Go out to the desert. Drive around. Get that 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 the feeling of what you used to have when you were young. And get that energy used up. When you come home, you can sleep at night. It's a great thing to do. Now, don't forget about it. Sun Buggies, their phone number is 866-728-4443. Again, it's 866-728-4443. And they're right next to the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Okay? Okay, now we're going to move on with uh, some of the things that we come to come across this, this week and what's happening with our uh, inflation and all the other wonderful things that are going on that's affecting our life everywhere. Even in the automotive field, it's affecting our life. Everybody's worried about it causing a problem inside the markets and price of gas and all that other kind of stuff. But it's also a big, big problem in the automotive world. A big problem that there is out there right now is there's lack of employees. And you go to your auto repair shop, you used to go to your auto repair shop, and you'd be able to talk to the service advisor, service manager, and then they'd have your car checked out for you, and the mechanic would be, see what it was. And within a half hour or so, they'd tell you pretty much what was wrong with your car. They'd do the diagnosis. You'd get your authorization on the paper, and then you'd go home, and at maybe 4 o'clock or 5 o'clock, the car would be ready. That's a memory anymore. It doesn't exist. If it does, it's because they're not doing very good, and they don't have many cars in there because they're not coming back. The problem right now is there is a lack of technicians, okay? Um, there's always somebody that can do something, but right now they don't even have that somebody that can do something. How bad is that? You go into most of the shops now, and you'll see they're going to be covered with cars all over the place. Uh, the inside of the shop will be kind of like very quiet, yet it'll be full of cars. The service manager or the owner will ever be in his office, and uh, you go into the office, and first off, you're going to be lucky if you actually get someone to come up and greet you when you go in, not like the old days was. And there's just no mechanics out there. They're not, still not looking for jobs. They haven't been uh, doing any training in all this time off. They take them to unemployment insurance and extra money. And uh, with today's diagnostics and the computers, if you know anything about computers, look how much they've advanced in the last year and a half. If you don't stay with vehicles now and stay continually working on cars, you lose a lot of ground. Um, I mean, it's like, like, yeah, I know how to use my uh, beeper, but I don't know how to use this iPhone 12. And that's kind of what's happened. It's not that quick has changed. And if you don't keep up on it, you lose track. It's one thing to know how something works mechanically. I mean, that was something that even I, as, as very young, could figure out. At 10 years old, my dad showed me all kinds of things that I could do mechanically. But if it got into electronics at that time, I would have been completely lost. Right now, you've got a lot of guy, people out there that were mechanics that, that uh, are basically lost. They really don't know what it is with computer systems. If it wasn't for a uh, plug-in computer diagnostic machine, they wouldn't even know where to start. And that machine only does one thing. It is not a brain. It doesn't think for you. It doesn't tell you what to do. It will tell you pretty much where the problem exists at, what's causing the problem, and the problem that you're having should be something he should be able to exactly duplicate with the car, or you should be able to have that feeling of what's going on based on what that computer is saying is going on. When someone does a diagnostic on your car, it's really, if, you, if a guy will let you, it's a good idea to let you see 
what the computer showed him. So you kind of get an idea of what he's making his diagnosis on. Because a lot of the technicians out there can't even read that scanner. They can't even understand what it means, what the logic is, and how that particular system works. And if you don't know how that system works, you're no way going to know how to completely repair it. And that's based on your personal diagnosis. Remember, you are the one that's really diagnosing the car. When you bring it in, you tell them what it's doing. If they can't take your explanation and adjust it to where it makes mechanical sense to them in today's world, they're not technicians, and that's what it's all about. They have to be able to take whatever you say, because you're the one feeling it. They're not. You drove the car. They haven't really driven it in the depth that you have, because sometimes with the computer systems nowadays, the problem is not like in old days where you just have the problem, it's there, and it goes on and on and on and on and doesn't stop. Computer systems were designed to keep a car where it was emission legal and efficient on gas, by doing adjustments on all the different you know, I guess sensors, I guess you would say, in the vehicle. Adjusting the timing, adjusting the fuel flow, uh, adjusting uh, temperature when needed be, that type of things. That was stuff that we couldn't do in the old days, but now the computer's doing all that while you're driving along the freeway. If the outside temperature changes, your, your vehicle will change its uh, computer readings to adjust that to how the engine should be running and under what conditions should be running. That's how it keeps it cool. When it's your turn on the double pans or just turn on a single pan, whether it even should turn on a pan at all because the car hasn't reached that temperature. In the old days, you didn't have that option. So the mechanics now believe that they can just plug into it, and that will tell them exactly what's wrong with the car. That tool does not exist. They could be $25,000 or $30,000. It doesn't exist. It will tell you, based on what is getting a reading out of your computer system, is causing the computer system to fail. But that reading that's going to the computer system, is it a proper reading? Can you invent a reading to go into the computer so that when they scan it, it won't even really be that problem? Yeah, that could be done. That could be done very easily as a test, whether or not they know what's wrong with the car. And I could cause all kinds of things for that computer to show up, and they would never know if it's right or wrong because they don't pay enough attention to what the complaint was from the person who brought the car in, what you were feeling. You are the number one test pilot for that car. However you want to put it when you bring it into a technician, tell him exactly what you're feeling in your hands, in your feet, in your ear, in your eyes. What are those things? That's the control. That's the actual real computer diagnostic. Put aside all this electronic stuff. You are the walking, rolling, riding diagnostic for that car. You know more about that car than anybody else because you drive it every day. You feel it every day. You hear those sounds. It's just like when I get onto an airplane. I have a, I can't help it, but I have to sit next to the engine. And I can't pay any attention to anything the whole flight without listening to that engine out of one ear the whole time. I'm constantly doing it. It's just automatic for me to do that. As when I get in my car, when I'm sitting in my car and I'm driving, I can have the radio on and talk on my phone, but I'm still paying 100% attention to my car. Same thing you do when you get into your car. It's just automatic. You get in the car, you turn the key, and yeah, you may have other things you're thinking about doing, but you're still paying attention to that car because your life's at stake. Your safety's at stake. And you're the one that's going to suffer if there's something wrong. And just... just uh, through natural human care, you're going to be paying attention to that. Well, that's what you need to get across to the technician. And that's what you need to do is find a technician that understands all that and will accept it. That's where the problem is that I've been finding in the last couple of weeks. There are very, very few shops that actually have good technicians. Very few. And uh, they're, just, they're empty. You can go by there and just see they just don't really want much work. Or they've got a bunch of cars parked outside and absolutely nobody to work on them. Um, most repair shops are not advertising right now, if you can see, if you've heard. They're not really advertising on the radio or on the news or the Internet or anything else because they've already got more work than they can handle, and it's only because they can't find people to work. Now let's go to the next step, dealers. Okay, 
You go to a, a dealer lot where they're selling your car. You want to buy a car. Trust me. You can go to five or six dealers. And remember the old days when you could walk on a dealer lot and you got attacked by three or four people wanting to sell you a car and you knew you could get a good deal? You have to search for a salesman nowadays. You go on the lot. They don't pay attention. They're not going out. And the reason they don't pay attention? Because there's no salesman. There's very few. And you don't have anyone to sell you on the car. Because when you buy a car, a lot of the fun is in being told about the car, sold the car. That's part of the program. Um, even if you know everything, it's kind of nice to hear somebody talk good about what your decision is. And without that salesman there, it affects you buying a car. Um, that's a big problem right now. It goes along with anything in the automotive as far as being a mechanic. You go into a paint shop now. It takes forever to get your car painted. So what do you end up doing? You end up renting a car, paying twice as much money a day to rent a car. Why are you paying so much more money a day to rent a car? Because a lot of them are not here. They're leaving town. They're going to other locations, other states, and being turned in there. So they have to charge more money. If you've been tooling around looking at car lots, you'll find that the uh, majority of the car lots now are half empty. They don't have any cars in them. Nothing there. And the ones they do have are way, way, way overpriced. Way overpriced. And still, you won't find many salesmen in the car lots now because with the prices being so high and what's required to, to buy a car as far as credit, you've got to be pretty much working for the government. If you want to buy a car with cash, there's many other places you're going to go, not to a dealer when you pay cash for a car. Dealers are for credit. And they say now they're starting to convert over to, well, your job is your credit. When has a job been a credit? You notice that just lately, the job is your credit. Nobody has a job anymore. So they just go and buy, you know, if you don't have a job, well, get your credit check. If you have a job, job that's a, gr- a great thing. That must mean you have good credit, as far as they're concerned now, to get that car off the lot. So there's different different types of things that are going on now with, with the, the uh, type of inflation we're having. And it really affects owning a car, owning a car a lot. So the most important thing is, in my opinion, would be care for the car you want, care that you have. Take care of the, what you're driving. There's a lot of cars now, even on the lot, selling with 200,000 miles on them. So you can't tell me you got too many miles on the car because it's being sold on the lot. And they're worth a lot of money. In long range, now the cars, even at a decrease of what they were you know, five years ago, because of inflation, it's brought them up now to more than they were worth five years ago. It's amazing. I mean, you go to look right now, if you want to buy, say, just a basic pickup truck, you're not really going to find one for less than ten or $15,000. And they were the cheapest vehicles on the market. That's a used truck. You're lucky you can find one. The used mini trucks average eight, ten, twelve thousand dollars $12,000. doesn't matter about the mileage. The mileage is the material. It's just got the fact to do that it's, it's a used vehicle, and that's what the income has to be on it in order for them to pay their bills anymore. The car lots are disappearing. Travel up and down some of the highways out here. You'll find a lot of empty lots. They're not selling cars because of the price, because of what it costs to to do the business, what it costs to find a car that's any good to sell. And uh, people just aren't trading them in. Now, everybody stick with me. We'll get into more of this real soon. This is the Super Tech, here to help you. Call in if you want, 221-7283. If I can help you, I'll do my best. Adventure awaits you at Sun Buggy today, located directly across from Las Vegas Motor Speedway, with 15,000 acres of fun from door to door. Drivers must be 18 years of age or older and have a valid driver's license. For reservations, call 866-728-4443 today. Open daily from 6 a.m. to midnight. Sun Buggy appreciates you. 
Have an unforgettable experience with us today. Buckle up. Get ready. Here from KSHP 1400 AM radio, it's Ron Katz, also known as the Super Tech. To help you understand the automotive world in today's terms, every week will be a new topic. 40 years experience in automotive repair and stock car racing. Call-ins are welcome here in Las Vegas, 702-221-7283. 6 p.m. Monday nights after the Shopping Channel. Dunes. I'm Malibu, and this is Sunbuggy Fun Run. 15,000 acres for you, the family, or friends to play on. For a half hour, an hour, an hour and a half, we've got two-seaters, four-seaters, six-seaters, nine-seaters, ATVs, whatever you need, we have it. Hey guys, welcome to the desert. We are the premier off-road adventure tour company anywhere in the world. We have over 150 seats available, so we can cater to couples, bachelor parties, all the way up to corporate events with uh, up to 1,000 people. And we offer tours to anywhere from mild uh, and scenic to wild and crazy. Our vehicles are built right here at our Vegas facility with certified U.S. steel, and their primary purpose is for you to have fun. Open 365 days a year. We run our Vegas Mini Baja Chase seven times a day, an all-inclusive experience, including your hotel shuttle and uh, the reservation lines 24 hours a day. If you'd like more details, go to sunbuggy.com or just pick up the phone and give us a ring. This right here, this is the dirtiest thing you can do in Vegas without getting in trouble when you go home. Welcome back, everybody. This is Ron Katz, Super Tech again, KSHP Las Vegas. And uh, we talk a lot about keeping your car running and about maybe buying new cars. Anybody out there has any questions about whatever problems you're having, give us a call. Area code 702-221-7283. Next, we're going to get into something a little bit different on on, uh, we're kind of staying in the same style of what's going on with your car and stuff out there. Um, Pricing cars up. Nowadays, car pricing, if you've been buying cars the last three or four years, is going to blow your mind. You just won't be, um, you'll be completely amazed when you find the price of the new cars or any of the, even the used cars. If you're going to some of the lots now, you're going to notice they don't even put prices on the cars anymore. They're embarrassed. They're embarrassed to put a price on a car because they know it'll just blow you away. They know the price is just outrageous, and that's every car lot. Like I said, there's a lot of car lots out there that are missing a lot of the cars. Lots are pretty much empty. Um, and it's going to continue on. Uh, basically, we have a uh, shortage of uh, computer parts, which I don't know where that's coming from, but I got some ideas on that. And that's causing a lot of the new cars not to be able to be sold because they're missing electronic parts that, uh, unfortunately, we don't make in the United States. Where that's coming from, I'm not really sure, but I've got my ideas. Um, so that's causing a lot of the new cars not to be existing, which in turn does cost, does raise the cost of a used car. Okay, because you don't really have much of an alternative. Um, you're not going to go out and spend 30000 or 40000 or $50,000 on a car if it's not really what you want. And the ones that are what you want, they do have a few of those here and there, but they get outrageous prices. I mean, you think about on the average a Corvette up around $100,000. That is just unbelievable. Trucks, seventy, eighty, ninety thousand dollars $90,000 for a pickup truck. It just, it's gotten to the point now where it's like you get it pretty much remember buying a house at less than the price of what you're paying for a car nowadays. So what that's leading to is a lot of people 
getting their cars up to date, maintained, seeing what they can do to keep that cost down. Um, nobody needs an extra house payment on top of their house payment. And if you buy a car for 80 grand, you're talking about another house payment with insurance, with the taxes, the fees. You double your house payment, what your expenses are right now at home. And a lot of people right now can't really afford that. It's not really there. You know, there's a few that, that uh, are one of the, a few of the lucky ones, but a majority of people can't afford to double their house payment. So they're basically trying to keep their used cars alive. And how do you keep the used car alive? I would say in, in, in the most logical way to do it and the affordable way to do it is you need to do a lot of self-diagnostics. You really do. You really need to be careful um, what you do on the car, whether it's really needed or whether it's not needed. If you notice something on the car and you notice something isn't right, if you notice it, I would say pretty much it's needed. But if the mechanic's the only one that notice something else and you don't really notice it right now, I would double question that because it may be a way for him to make some extra money. It may be a preventative measure. Uh, it may be a way for him to convince you that what he does to you will make the world more wonderful. But do you have the extra money to pick something that's not a problem right now? That's what you got to think about. If it's not a problem right now, if it's not a safety item, most cases now with the computer cars and stuff like that, you can wait a little while. There are other ways to bypass things that you don't have to worry about. Um, if your brakes squeak, but they're great, you don't really need to replace them. Not at this time. And I've seen let them keep going, let them keep squeaking. They're, they're, a good mechanic will know there's, there's a chemical you can put on the brake pad itself on the back side of it that eliminates that squeak. Um, maybe a little bit of labor, not very much, but it will save you a ton of money on a brake job when you don't need brake pads. But it's more profitable for them to go ahead and say you need a brake job and do the pads and do that anti-squeak stuff as well. And uh, that way they make more money and you spend about three times as much. But you didn't need brakes to begin with. When it's hot outside, brakes get hotter, brakes do squeak. No matter what brand you have on it, it will happen. The heat does that. So don't be pushed into something because of using a pure tactic. And uh, a lot of the technicians, they do that, but you got to remember, a lot of them don't know what they're even trying to drive. They don't know what they're trying to push down your throat. They're just told from the, the uh, service manager or whoever they got in charge, uh, could be his uncle or his, or his stepson, um, what to sell you because they need to have a certain amount of sales per day. they got to reach a point. And with today's cars, the judgment of how much sales you got to have is very, very hard to figure out because you never really know whether you need it or not. And the mechanics can't explain to you whether you need it or not. So you need to take care of your own car, okay? Um, some of the basic things you need to know when caring for your car. There's some things you don't need to do to your car because it won't make a difference at all in how your car survives, okay? Let's start with gasoline. Gasoline has an octane rating, 87, 89, 91. What does that octane rating really mean? Does it have anything to do with how clean the gas is or how better it is for your car? That's a giant no. It has nothing to do with any of that. But it's promoted to you that way. They call the Supreme. They call it the Plus, the Extra. Okay, it really is none of that stuff. If you, It's based on the compression of the motor. Most motors have what they call low compression engines. Um, they're not hot rods. They're not built to do 160 miles an hour, so you don't need a high compression motor to do that. So they create a fuel called Basic Regular for the regular car. It's got 87 octane in it. If you put 89 octane in your engine, your engine will not be able to compress the fuel to be enough of a, a compression rate where it will cause an explosion. Because 
When fuel ignites, it doesn't make your piston go up and down because it catches on fire. Just like when we light a uh, barbecue, that the fire is not an explosion. You need an explosion. Question is, how do you get that gasoline to explode, to turn into a little tiny little bomb inside the motor on top of the piston? Because that explosion will push that piston up and down. Okay, the compression rate of the engine means that that piston, as the piston comes up higher in the motor, it increases compression before the fuel fuel is shirt in and the spark is igniting the compression, causing an explosion. Well, if your piston doesn't come up far enough, it won't compress it completely. And when it's time for that engine to fire, that piston's already on its way back down now. Okay? So the lack, that's even lower compression. That's actually doing more damage to your engine. That's where you get the noises and stuff. Okay? So you got to make sure that if you have a low-compression motor, that you use a low-compression fuel, which is regular. Most all cars will tell you on the uh, inside of the gas door, inside the glove compartment, or in the manual, what compression rating is needed. Now, you've got to be logical about this. The dealership manufacturer built that engine. Nobody knows more about ma- what makes that engine run properly than the factory who made it, the dealer, the manufacturer who made it. No mechanic, no Joe down at the corner, no Ed at the corner, no, no Ron at the corner. Nobody knows better than the manufacturer telling you what fuel to use. Don't put a high-compression fuel in a low-compression engine. It won't be able to compress all the fuel, so what part it does compress will ignite, but what part it didn't compress went down past the rings into the oil. Now, we don't like oil and gasoline to mix. That causes the oil to thin out, which causes wear. That's not a good thing, okay? And you're spending an extra 40 cents a gallon to cause damage to your motor. It's not a cleaner fuel. The same amount of cleaner is in every gallon of gas. No matter where you buy it, no matter what brand it is, that's a government requirement. that has to be a certain amount of cleaner in there. And that came out for the fuel injectors about 20 years ago when they started with fuel injection. There were too many cars that were having injector problems, and it was because of the quality of fuel at that time. So they put a cleaner in everything, like you hear about Tecron and AE articles, additives, and all this other kind of stuff. It's all the same stuff, basically. It's all the same stuff to keep your injectors from clogging up. You rarely, rarely have a problem with a fuel injector getting clogged anymore. Fuel injectors rarely even go bad anymore. They were going bad all the time, all the time in the old days. But now they're electronic. They were mechanical. Now they're electronic. When they were mechanical, yeah, the fuel quality was, was uh, more open because the government had no require on it, and it caused a lot of problems. Well, a lot of those problems have, have bled over to today's world, and people still carry those memories with them, and they think that something goes wrong, that's what it's got to be. It's got to be the gas. So running the proper gas in your car is like putting the proper oil in your body. Your body, your oil, your body fluids may not be the same as the guy next door to you, and you may even be stronger than him. But it still not, doesn't mean that you have the same body quality fluids as he does, whether it's your blood or whatever it may be. So it's particular to your body as the gasoline is particular to your motor. You'll know what the difference is because you won't hear engine noise with the right compression fuel. And like I said, you'll be able to read it on the manual or inside the glove compartment or on the gas door. It'll tell you pretty much what the compression ratio is in the car. And if you're at 87 or 89, as far as the octane reading, what's required, stick with it. Um, now, whether you go to Chevron, or you go to Arco, or you go to Unical, or you go to Shell, any of them, it's all the same basic gasoline. There are not multiple drill sites for getting gasoline out here. There's only one place where gasoline is stored. It's not even drilled out here. It's stored in gigantic tanks. If you've noticed, most of the gas trucks do not have names on the side. 
because that one truck delivers to all those different brand gas stations because the gasoline is all basically the same. You don't have to have a different gasoline. There's not uh, allowed by the government to make different mixtures and different chemicals for something that we're going to be breathing. They've got that pretty much handled. They've made a law on what it's got to be, the type of emissions that come out. That's all part of the smog test, so to speak. So to get smog, it means burning the fluid, burning the gasoline. That's what creates the smog. Now, nobody wants to create smog on their car because the car will be unusable because you can't fix it if that's the way it was designed. So they want to make the smog the least they can on the car. So they use the one fuel that burns, the one product chemical, um, which is ethanol in your fuel. you got 10% ethanol in there that burns completely clean. And that way, no matter what brand you get, you're getting the same gas, the same mixture, the same formula, and you're pretty much assured of not having any emissions. I mean, if you reality, if you think about it right now, sit back. When's the last time you drove by somebody, you smelled their gas, or you seen smoke coming off their exhaust? It's just an old thing. It's very rare, very rare that happens. So those are worries that the, a lot of the older generation have kept in their mind because they're used to that. That's not what the new generation is all about. That's not what the new car generation is all about. It's a different world. So now we know about oil and gas. Those are two things that keep the cost down. Now, my recommendation is that the car does not require or ex- ex- want you to run a full synthetic oil. Do not use it. Number one, it's thinner. Number two, it doesn't have the lubricating ability. It stays more as a base oil because it, it uh, cleans more. But the problem with it is that it packs up the oil filter much quicker. Oil filter doesn't know whether you're running synthetic oil in it or you're running regular oil in it. At about 3,000 miles, your oil filter is pretty much clogged and it's pretty much done. But the oil will still be sufficient. But you're running it through a dirty filter, so it dirties up the oil real quick. I don't use the synthetic oil. If you use that basic oil that's on the market now, which is regular oil and synthetic mix, it's a blend, that is the best you can buy for a car. Unless you're driving something that asks for synthetic oil. And the manuals, like I said again, because it's pretty much all on the newer stuff, will request a synthetic oil because of a particular way they built the engine inside that requires it for temperature reduction. But synthetic oil actually will make your car run hotter. It doesn't have the cooling ability to the cylinders as the, uh, the blend does. So you're better off with a blend oil. So you can't always price everything out, go buy things with the price out for. It's a matter of basically nowadays, when you look at something, it's how much they want to sell it to you. It's not how much it's worth or what the price is on it. It's how much they want to sell it to you. And if they don't really care about selling you too much, it's going to have higher prices on it because they're going to get more people to buy it. Because people simply think that it's better for your car or it's better for you or whatever it may be because it's more expensive. That is not true. Um, One of the things I want to make sure you understand now is that those are the first two things you're going to do when you're talking about keeping the cost of your car down. I recommend every 3,000 miles change that oil. It gets dirty. How much are you not going to spend? Are you going to save yourself $20 because you didn't change your oil? Change your oil every 3,000 Always run that car with clean oil. Pull the dipstick out. If you can't see through that oil on a dipstick to your dipstick, change it. People say, when do I change my oil? When it's dirty. That's when you change it, whenever it's dirty. And it will get dirty right around 2,500, 3,000. It'll start to feel a little bit mucky in your hands. And you won't be able to pretty much see through it anymore. That's when you need to change your oil. Why wait? Why try to save $20? Oh, I can go another 5,000 miles on oil. Or I can go another 10,000. At that point, you're driving on oil that's running through a dirty filter. And if the filter's dirty, it's not filtering out the oil at all, and all you're running down dirty oil all the time. Because it's just replumbing the oil back into it. It's picking up the dirt, it goes back through the filter. 
There's no bypass in the filter. So you're constantly sending the oil through a dirty filter. So change it every 30,000, every 3,000. Now these, like, these are some of the things that, that you need to keep in mind if you want to keep that car where it's actually still affordable to you and where it'll actually be reliable to you. Um, one of the things that's really important, most cars now, 90% of them are front-wheel drive. Okay? Rotating the tires is very, very, very important. Approximately every 5,000 miles, you need to rotate them. When you turn a corner, when you turn the wheel to the right or to the left, those tires, they lean. They lean one way or they lean the other way to make the turn. The rear tires just slide right in the middle. They just slide and fall around the corner. They don't do any turning or any leaning. So you notice at about four or 5,000 miles that the edges of the front tires are rounded and the edges of the back tires are squared off because they're going through different procedures when you're turning the corner. Rotate those tires. Put front to back, to back to front. The front, that way you'll be able to use the part of the tread that hasn't been used on the back, and you're going to be able to use the part of the tread that hasn't been used on, on the front of the car. And it'll save you an extra, probably, I'd say right now I'm averaging about 10,000 miles difference just by rotating your tires. And at the same time, when they're rotating your tires, they can take a look and see if you really need brakes. If they do, if it looks no thicker than the, the thickness of a, a quarter, as far as the thickness of the brake pad, you need to change them. Okay? But if they're still pretty thick, you're going to have at least another ten or 15,000 left on your brake pads based on your driving techniques. Um, you'll know when you need brakes. You'll know there's sensors on most brakes. Have sensors on them to tell you that you're time for brakes. And because the sensors are set up at a point where the brake, pedal, brake pad gets real hard, and then they start overheating the rotor, and they start turning blue. Um, so you want to take care of it before it gets to the point. That's why you have your tires rotated every, every 5,000 miles, and you're right there looking at the brakes yourself at 5,000 miles, and, you know, take a look at it and see what it is. And if the gentleman says you need brakes, say, well, show me what the new brake pad looks like. And see if you can really see the difference. If that brake pad on your car is very, very thin, you know you need to change it. But if it's still half as thick, do you really need to change it at this point? Wouldn't hurt to change it, but you don't need to. And what we're talking about here right now is about ways of keeping the cost of your existing car to a minimal so it's reliable, so you're not paying all that money out. If you want to keep paying money on, re on repairing cars based on what mechanics want to sell you, that point, yeah, you might as well have a brand new car. Because either way, you're going to have that much money coming out of your pocket every month to drive to work and drive back, and that's not logical. You don't need to do that. Um, like I said, there's not mechanics out there to work on your car. You're going to have trouble finding them. And there's very, very few salesmen out there that can even sell you a car. And the prices of them are way more than what you can even imagine. You look at cars, all oh, that's worth about maybe... $2,500, grand, and they'll ask $9,000 for the car. And they'll have 110,000 miles on it. That makes sense to me. Hopefully it doesn't make sense to you. So those are a couple of things you want to kind of pay attention to. Um, well, another good thing about keeping your old car um, working, the old cars now are going up in value quite a bit. They're raising right through, the, just like the new cars are, the old cars are going up in value. You want to keep the car running and as reliable as possible as long as you can. Because every day you drive that car, it becomes worth more money. And that's the one thing about it. You buy a new car, every day you drive it, it's worth less money. Right now, with the market the way it is, every day you drive that used car, it becomes worth more money each day. And if you don't believe me, just ask around. Somebody will give you the car. Check with your friends. Check with your neighbors. See what they would offer you for the car. It'll blow your mind. Amazing. You're gonna, you would never even think you're going to get that much money for that car. It's just unbelievable. The car can look like heck, and you're still going to get good money for it because that's what's happening with the used car market. There's not really a lot of used cars out there right now. Um, because a lot of people ran them into the ground, and then they're just 
not any good anymore. You can't even repair the interior and have body, body so bad. But the used cars that still look good, which is quite a few, because of, you know, physically they're built pretty well, they're worth good money. You shine up a used car, you don't know what, what was done during those 150 or 200,000 miles that someone else drove it. You know, you have no memory of the car. You have no idea what the car even looked like before they cleaned it up. You know, you get it from a private party, it's a different world. But you go to a dealer, and they make every one of those cars look like they haven't been used, and then they don't look like they're brand new. So that's why it's so important to keep that many miles on, down on your car and keep taking care of it so it lasts that long so that you won't end up creating one of those cars that's not worth keeping, okay? Very, very important. Um, so right now, I'm going to send over to a break, and we'll be back shortly, and we'll get into a few other things from you. This is Ron Katz, Super Tech. Open for lines if anyone has any questions. Welcome to the Nellis Dunes. I'm Malibu, and this is Sunbuggy Fun Run. 15,000 acres for you, the family, or friends to play on. For a half hour, an hour, an hour and a half, we've got two seaters, four seaters, six seaters, nine seaters, ATVs, whatever you need, we have it. Hey guys, welcome to the desert. We are the premier off-road adventure tour company anywhere in the world. We have over 150 seats available, so we can cater to couples, bachelor parties, all the way up to corporate events with uh, up to a thousand people. And we offer tours to anywhere from mild uh, and scenic to wild and crazy. Our vehicles are built right here at our Vegas facility with certified U.S. steel and their primary purpose is for you to have fun. Open 365 days a year. We run our Vegas Mini Baja Chase seven times a day, an all-inclusive experience including your hotel shuttle and uh, the reservation lines 24 hours a day. If you'd like more details, go to sunbuggy.com or just pick up the phone and give us a ring. This right here, this is the dirtiest thing you can do in Vegas without getting in trouble when you go home. Buckle up, get ready. Here from KSHP 1400 AM radio, it's Ron Katz, also known as the Supertech. To help you understand the automotive world in today's terms, every week will be a new topic. 40 years experience in automotive repair and stock car racing. Call-ins are welcome here in Las Vegas, 702-221-7283. 6 p.m. Monday nights after the Shopping Channel. Adventure awaits you at Sun Buggy today, located directly across from Las Vegas Motor Speedway with 15,000 acres of fun from door to door. Drivers must be 18 years of age or older and have a valid driver's license. For reservations, call 866-728-4443 today. Open daily from 6 a.m. to midnight. Sun Buggy appreciates you. Have an unforgettable experience with us today. Thank you to Super Buggies. They are our main sponsor for this show. Great place, great people. They're wonderful. They take care of you. They make sure you have a great time out there. When you come to Vegas, 
Take that enjoyment. Have something different in your world. Don't take home an empty pocket. Take home a, an energy pull in your mind, in your heart of what you really did. It'll last you for much longer than it, that uh, $200 that you lost out here. It costs you actually less if you look at it. Um, but go there. They're great people. They're very friendly. They give you a whole training package as they go through with you, and they teach you about it. So you won't feel like you're not ready for it. All the equipment they give you, you don't need to bring your own equipment. They give it all to you while you're there. Um, they show you where they're going to they take you where you're going to go, where it's going to be safe. Make sure you got water to drink, which is important. And make sure when you come back, you get a, a great picture because it's going to have that really big smile on it. You take that home with you. So, uh, again, thank you to uh, Sunbuggy. Great, great people. Okay? Now we're going to get back to another part of talk about saving money. Okay, the next little thing I want to go over to you with you about is parts on your car. You need parts for your car. A lot of people have been going on what the parts house have been saying, you know, based on the dealer. Stay away from the dealer from auto parts. And whatever you get done on your car, see if they'll let you buy your own parts then. Because, you know, they make a lot of money in markup on the parts. And for them just to call up and order a part, I don't think it's fair. Nowadays, the markup has jumped up because they're not making much money on the the uh, service of the car, so they're making a lot of money on the part sales of the car. So I want you to make sure that uh, check yourself. You may be able to sub yourself hundreds of dollars on just applying them with your parts. They tell you that story, oh, well, we won't guarantee it if it breaks down. Don't worry about that. The parts house will guarantee it if it breaks, if it doesn't hold on. So that's a good way to save a lot of money because parts can be a large amount of your bill, and a large amount of it is just markup to the shop. Shops really do make their money on labor. Um, parts are just an extra addition for them to make a few dollars on the side. And you can save yourself a considerable amount of money. If you don't have to tell you you need, say, okay, I'll get, I'll get to bring in the parts on there. they got no problem with it. If shops argue about it, then you're in a bad place. If they want to allow you to save money without making a profit out of the parts department, there's something not right. If they could just run a, a, a service shop and just have the customer buy all the parts, that would be wonderful. Their taxes would be down. Your sales taxes is not lower. And you're not paying that massive markup that they had to put onto you because the person in front of you didn't buy enough parts, so then you get stuck with it. So my recommendation is whenever you can, buy your own parts. You know, we're more about the oil, the oil filters. Um, you know, if you can get an oil, a fuel filter, carry one of those with you, replace that. Um, air filter, carry your own air filter. Um, a cabin filter, carry your own cabin filter. Those are little things that need to be changed, but it's like so expensive in a shop to do that. They don't even bring it up unless there's some other reason that they have to try and sell it to you um, because of the cost of that stuff. So carry those little things in your trunk. Go in, you'll find out what it costs to replace a peel filter and tell them you got your own part. What does it cost to replace an air filter? What does it cost to replace a, a cabin filter? Um, which right now, you know, actually are very important in the cabin filters. Most people I find don't even know they have a cabin filter. I'm sure there's a lot of you that don't know they have that. All the cars pretty much have cabin filters in them. That means that all the air from the outside coming into the car goes through a HIPAA filter, the same kind of filter you've got in your air conditioning in your house. Take care of all the bugs and all the allergies, and <clears throat> any of the kind of things on the road blowing into your car that you're, you're getting the air inside from while your air conditioning is blowing. Now, don't forget that air's got to come from someplace when it's coming into your car. It's coming from the outside, being cooled down and brought into your car, but it has to go through a filter. Okay, when it goes to that filter, it gets dirty, just like your filters in your house. They get dirty. 
So every once in a while, you, about every 25, 30,000, you need to replace those. And it depends on where you live. If you live in the desert, you live in the, by the sea, you live in the forest, wherever. But they're not hard to find. Most cars have them really in very easy spots to go. Majority of them are right behind the, the, uh, um, the glove box. You just take everything out of the glove box and open the door up all the way. And you reach back there and you'll, you'll find the filter. And you just slide it out and slide a new one in. And uh, my recommendation when you change those, spray them down with some... Uh, Something like Lysol or something, spray on there and get them really clean. Something is disinfectant. That way when the air goes through it, it's disinfected and also smells really good. Besides that, with the COVID stuff going on, it never hurts to have a, a decent car that's not being affected by anything that somebody may have outside. You never know. You never know where it's at. Okay, so the, those are things you can take care of yourself. And you buy those parts on your own, you save yourself a lot of money. Um, now, another one I'm going to talk about is Uber and Lyft, which a lot of people are using. Now, when you get into that Uber and Lyft car, being everybody's so uh, cautious of the uh, COVID right now, have you ever seen them wipe down the back seat, wipe off the front seat, the touches in the back, wipe off the door on the inside and the outside, clean the carpet and all that stuff before they pick you up? Nah, they don't do that. So when you're getting in the car, you're actually sitting on what someone else left in the car, whatever it may be. Did they sneeze back there? Did they rub your hands on the seats, on the doors? Are you grabbing everything else? And we're also worried about what we're touching now. Well, you got to wipe this down. you got to wipe that down. Well, I think Uber and Lyft are the two that you really, it doesn't seem logical, so nobody wipes the cars down. Nobody wipes off the door handles. Nobody does anything with the windows, or the back of the front seats, you know, the seat you're sitting on, which you're touching. So whatever, whoever was in there before could have that so-called disease that we're worried about, that we're told about. And uh, it's something if you're concerned about it, you're nervous about it, it has to be a thought when you're taking Uber or Lyft. Um, those guys do not do They do that on a basis maybe it's the beginning of the day, maybe it's the end of night. But they do it every time a customer is dropped off. It's just not getting done. Not logical for them. But it is something that if you are concerned about it, concerned about touching anything that someone has sat at before, it's like you go to a restaurant. After you're done, they wipe down the table, wipe down the seats. They don't do that. Uber and Lyft doesn't do that in their cars. So you're not getting that type of cleanliness in those cars. It's just a car. And I doubt very much that you even do that much in your car. But you don't have the traffic that Uber and Lyft does. So if you can avoid uh, touching things in a car that's good, my recommendation wouldn't be, would be wear a pair of gloves. Put a pair of gloves on when you get into an Uber or Lyft car. That way anything you touch when you get out, you take out, gloves off, throw them away, and it doesn't end up in your, your face. Not many people end up wiping their face or, or touching their nose or mouth or whatever when they got a pair of rubber gloves on. So if you're concerned about it, um, I probably would imagine that's one of the most important places that you might end up catching it from would be the last person that rode in the car. Put on those gloves. Take care of yourself. Take care of the situation. And then you can use Uber and Lyft. Now, they have gone up in price because of the cost of gas and because of the necessity for us to get around for those who can't afford to fix their car or to buy a used car now because the price of that has gone crazy. It's gone crazy. And they'll look forward to electric cars coming out. Uh, if you've been paying attention to the news, Chevy just put out an order, I think it was last week, for all the bolts. They were told just to pick, park on the side, up on the curb, in a parking spot, just leave them there. They were having fires with them, catching on, on fire, shorting out. Um, so that would kind of make me a little nervous about this new electronic motor car coming up that they're planning on making. They've had plenty of time to invent these systems. Plenty of time is to um, create the wiring harnesses, which is what they had a problem with at the beginning, 
and obviously now they're having a problem with the wine harnesses again. Um, that would be a little scary. That would be a little scary. I and mean, we've got more than enough time to prove that that gasoline motor is not going to explode while you're driving around. Not normally. But when Chevy comes out and tells you to take the car you're driving and park it on the side, let them know they'll come pick it up and they got to replace the harness in it, there's something definitely wrong. We've had many people hurt from that system. So I'd kind of like take my thoughts off of, you know, getting into the electric world for some time. I would kind of put that away. Don't use that as a reason. Well, it doesn't matter. I'm going to buy an electric car. But number one, it's very, very, very hard to find a place you can charge your car. Then if you do, then you got to sit there and wait for a half hour while you're doing whatever. It's just slow. And the car is a safety device. In reality, you got a big electric battery and wires go across there. After they're banged around a little bit and being, you know, touched and grabbed and moved and vibrated and everything else, they can short up. The rubber around them can drop, you know, turn, turn into look kind of a plastic and it cracks and then the wires touch. And obviously this is what has happened to the Volt. Why would Chevy tell you to park it on the side of the street if there was a major electrical problem? They're not even telling you to bring the car in. They're telling you to pull it over and park it on the side street and they will come pick it up. So it must be pretty scary, this electric car thing. I think that's going to that's gonna slow down a lot of things when it comes to electric cars, I guarantee you there. Um, now, when you go to buy a car, okay, this is something that you got to keep in mind. Look around a lot. Don't be just buying the person you come across because it was available. Look around. The car lots I noticed, they were competitive on price before. You go one car lot to the next and the next, and the prices pretty much were competitive basically with each other. But now they're competing on stock. They're competing on availability. That price has nothing to do with it anymore. We have this, the other guy doesn't have it. We have this, the other guy doesn't have it. These are rare, we're going to get extra money for this car. It had nothing. has nothing to do, they don't do any competition anymore. The only outside pricing they do is not pricing. The outside pricing is trying to see if, how many people within a certain amount of mile range has the same type of vehicles that they have to offer. Because they know if they have to do what's called a dealer trade, that means they got to pay the dealer an extra $500,000, dollars to the other dealer that they're going to get it traded from to sell you that car. They don't want to spend any money on the outside. Okay? They want to take, make all the money they can off of you completely. A lot of the cars now that are sold, the basic ones, they make very little money off the car. The money's made on the financing. That's what's all made. So they want to make sure they sell you what they got. So you got to kind of be careful when you're dealing with somebody, a dealer and that type of stuff. See what they have in a lot. Go to a dealer that's got a lot of cars. Not just a few of these and a few of those. A lot of cars. So you know you're going to get what you want. It's going to be there at the dealership. And that could save you money if they're going to be honest with you. They won't charge you for that getting it from another dealer. You don't know that's been happening. They call it a dealer trade invoice. You don't know that's happening in your car. But it comes out with the price. If they know at their meetings, which they have every day at the dealership, what cars they want to sell, what cars they would prefer to stay away from, what cars they don't have so don't even bring it up. That's what they discuss every day to the salesmen that are coming on. When they can find a salesman, okay? When they can find one. So there's a whole lot of different things going on right now in the automotive field. My uh, personal things that I've found out in the last two or three weeks is that the dealerships, no matter where you go to a dealership, um, it's always kind of the same little game. They're all playing the same little world right now. They're all starving for cars. They're starving for customers. They don't have salesmen to sell the cars to you. So I'm finding that people that work in the office are now selling cars. People that are working in finance are selling cars. Um, mechanics are coming out, technicians, and they're selling you cars because they don't have the car salesmen. Car salesmen, when they work, they work basically on commission. 
Now, car salesman, now that's not working, he goes on to getting his unemployment with an extra 300. He doesn't need to worry about what he's going to make. He's already making it by staying home. So that's causing that, that commission basis job to kind of dry up. Um, right now, it's hard to decide what is a good commission job because who knows what anyone's buying anymore? Who knows where everyone's, anyone's going anymore? The whole market in sales is pretty much down pretty low right now, down pretty low. Um, I think the only thing that we're not hurting in as far as the pricing stuff is going out to dinner. At least that, I think, is pretty much staying the same price. The only fear I have of that is uh, who's cooking my dinner. Kind of makes you wonder, doesn't it? Kind of makes you wonder. So you don't really know. So that's where my fear about that type of stuff. Um, it's, it's uh, I don't know, I guess times are changing and, and uh, everybody's kind of going through a, a new learning curve. You know, like what we used to, one of the things when you're in the car business, you, you're looking for investments. As a mechanic, you're looking for an investment. As somebody that's hot on cars, you're looking for investments. What are the good investments nowadays? That's the curiosity. Cars you would never imagine. Big, heavy-duty body cars, big Lincolns, big Cadillacs, big Oldsmobile Tornados, um, Delta 88s, Ford Crown Victorias. Those things are becoming to be very, very valuable cars. They're the type of car that um, there wasn't really a lot of them sitting around. People were, you know, they were getting old and they were just junking them because they really weren't worth much money. Now that there's not that many of them around, they're becoming very, very valuable. Unbelievably valuable. A car that last year was worth about 3000 this year you get $10,000 for the same car. If you bought a truck two years ago, brand new, you will be getting calls, I'm sure you're already getting them, from dealers wanting to buy that truck back from you at a profit over what you paid for it. When was that ever done in the world of buying cars? But it's being done now. Um, you bought the truck for 40000 They want to give you forty five to buy it back. Put in a lot. Nowadays, with today's markup, they can get 50000 55000 for the car, the truck. They can't get them from the factory because, you know, there's some electronic problems we're having getting all the new cars ready to sell. They're just sitting in, in the West Coast, not the West Coast, the East Coast, just sitting there collecting dust. Um, why we're not getting electric parts? I guess we each have our guess, right? But that's what's causing that to happen. And that, in turn, causes the used car prices to jump through the ceiling because you can't get the new car you want. Who wants to spend $50,000 on a new car that it's not what they want? doesn't make any sense. You might as well take something old, and you can afford them to make it what you want. And that's kind of what's going on. The uh, body structures of these new cars, in reality, are not very safe. And I think people are starting to realize that, you know, those things get hit. They're pretty deadly to whoever's inside of them. There's not much of them. They're just basically aluminum and uh, styrofoam inside the body. It doesn't take much to crush one of them. So for safety purposes, I think it's another one of the reasons that used cars are starting to go up in value, the older used cars, the old Cadillacs and stuff. But even like the little pickup trucks are going up in value, and that's all thanks to the new trucks. You got a new truck, you're going to spend $50,000 on it, you get a little pickup truck, you're going to spend 30000 I remember little trucks used to go for five, six thousand, seven thousand. They were very inexpensive. They were very basic. Not anymore. Even they're charging more for stick shift. Now there's an extra cost for a stick shift to guard a manual because it's more rare because how few they've made. So you got to kind of be careful of when you go buy a used car. If you decide to go out and buy a used car, make sure you take somebody with you that is uh, yesterday's knowledge and today's knowledge combined. They can advise you on what is a proper thing to do, what's best to buy. You should never lose money in a car. I've got a basic, that's one of the theories I've went by my whole life. Never lose money on purchasing a vehicle. 
it's always an investment, always. If you do it properly, it is always an investment. I've never lost a dollar on a car, never. And uh, you can do the same thing too, as long as you know what the car business holds. It's a big market, and the uh, money you're gonna spend is a lot of money, and there's no reason you should never you should never lose money on a car. If you're gonna buy a, say you're gonna go buy a new, new Chevy truck, and it's say $35,000 for the basic one, and you look at last year, it was 28,000. So you know that based on the rate of expansion of the value, what's it going to be worth next year? At least what you paid for it this year. That means you could drive the truck for a year, trade it in the exact same amount of money you paid for it, get you in another car, get you another one. You paid absolutely nothing. You got one year of use out of the vehicle. Now you're in another vehicle. So that's the one way you can use the inflation to your advantage. That way you should never, ever lose any money on a car. Don't ever let that uh, be part of ownership of a car. It's an investment. You can make a lot of money on it, and you can save a lot of money on it. But always have somebody around you that really has some experience at it. Don't trust those salesmen they have because they're not salesmen anymore. Don't trust the mechanics that you go to because they're not mechanics anymore. You need to have that person next to you to help you survive in today's weird, weird world of, uh, of uh, I guess, so the expansion of our, our uh, lack of knowledge, I guess, is what's happening right now more than anything else. So you need to have somebody there that, that you can trust um, that really knows what they can do. And hopefully they make the salesman or the mechanic angry because they'll ask questions that they can't answer. And just laugh, that's all. Just laugh. If a mechanic can't answer a question to you, somebody you bring with you or, or a salesman can't answer a question, just have a laugh and walk away. Because they're gonna, that way you've got somebody there that you can trust that he knows what's going on or she knows what's going on. So be competent. Don't go in there and just be buying a car just because it's pretty. It doesn't take much for a can of sand, you know, to shine the thing up. You know, it's a little cleaner here and there. You can make it look like brand new. You need to know what is being sold to you. You need to know what you're paying to get fixed. You need to know what is the proper amount of money because, I don't know, I've been looking at it and uh, being, ever since inflation is going on, I don't see my value of money going up. I see the cost of everything I'm buying going, going up. I wish my money would go along with it then we wouldn't have the inflation. Wouldn't that be great? So there's ways to beat it out there. Um, watch your investments. Make sure that what you're buying today is worth at least as much next year, whatever it may be. And that way you kind of run at a flat zero. You don't have to worry about losing anything. So everybody out there, I want you to be careful. Take care. Enjoy your cars. Thank you to Jackie at Sun Buggy. Thank you very much for the sponsorship. And thank you to everybody out there that's listening to Ron Katz on Supertech KSHP. We'll be with you next week. Take care. <laughs>